Hello, everyone, and welcome to Where Do I Begin Again? I am your host, Dan King. Thank you very much for taking time to join us. A very special show for you this week. A good friend of mine, uh, somebody I've known for a handful of years now, uh, Bruce Salazar. I came to know him as a member of Grace Baptist Church over on the south side of Indianapolis. Uh, Bruce was the worship leader there for, for a few years and, and now has started a new venture and uh, I'm excited to have him tell us all about that. So, uh, Bruce, welcome to the show. Great to have you here. Yep. Glad to be here. Thanks. Uh, you know, first, first off, Bruce, you know, give, uh, give the listeners a little bit of an insight as to who you are, where you came from and how you came to the South side of Indianapolis here. Yeah. Um, where I came from is a, a bit of a longer story to, <laughs> than I care to tell right now. Um, but, uh, how I ended up in Indianapolis was basically, after living in Florida for many years, uh, desired to go to school in Louisville, Kentucky, and the idea was to go to school for ministry. So then, go to school for ministry, uh, graduate that right when the economy tanks. So then, when the economy tanks, everything's completely different as far as how uh, ministry roles were being made and created, as far as payment and you know salaries and things like that. So then, good buddy of mine um, decided, or not decided, but told me, you need to come up with a plan B. So I come up with plan B. Uh, which was become a personal trainer. So that was plan B. And that was, the goal was to find something that I could do in any city, anywhere in the country or world, really. Sure. And supplement whatever income I might be making with the church in a part-time position with by being a trainer. Uh, somehow, during that whole process, my family migrated into Greenwood, you know, right here in, you know, south side of Indianapolis. And... Uh, my wife and I were like, well, we're not really super fond of Louisville. Let's see if we can make life work in Greenwood. So we move up here and we're still here, you know, roughly seven, eight years later. So, um, yeah. And so what, what first led you to ministry then, I guess? Yeah. I mean, that was just something I've been a musician my whole life. So, uh, really early, you know, on and probably 13 years old, started playing guitar, um, picked it up really fast and, you know, within the first few months, I was already already performing publicly. By the time of I was fourteen, I was already playing in clubs and shows that most fourteen year olds shouldn't be allowed to play in. <laughs> <laughs> but that was just what happened with life. And so then, um, around the time when I became, you know, um, you know, a believer, a Christian, however you want to phrase that, um, I started getting involved with some other friends, and we you know formed bands and you know things like that. But the music we were playing was not what you would hear in church. It was much more harder. We were playing the same type of clubs that I was involved in before, but we had a different message behind everything. And um, so, yeah, it was just kind of a natural move for me to feel like, okay, well, once I've kind of figured out that I'm not going to make money touring and being a famous musician for the rest of my life, that, uh, you know, let me do something with some purpose and calling behind it. So that's how I became uh, or chose to kind of pursue the path of a worship minister of some kind and why I ended up in Louisville for school. Okay. So. And so, you know, you said your family moved to Greenwood. Mm -hmm. And so how did uh, you find your way to, to, to Grace Baptist? Yeah, that was just a plain old <laughs> still, you know, I'm here in Greenwood and I've got like a, just a trickle of uh, training clients and nothing major going on. And so I'm still looking for uh, something else to actually provide, you know, more for my family. 
So I was still looking at the, you know, job availability, and there just happened to be a church that was like, you know, ten minutes up the street from where I was living, and um, called them up, and it all worked out really well. It was, it was just meant to be. Well, and and when when exactly was that 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 you made it to Grace Baptist? Oh, let's see here. Um, I'm not sure of the year, but I know I was on staff for five years, and I haven't been on staff for two years. So we'll just say seven years ago. Okay, yeah, yeah that that sounds about right because yeah. that's about the time we started. And you know, as I was you know doing my prep work for this, I was trying to think of, well, how long had we been there before Bruce got there? Mm-hmm. And, I was, and I was like, well, I don't remember a time Bruce wasn't there. Yeah. So I was having all this thoughts in my head of yeah. when when exactly was that? Yeah. So. So that all that timeline all makes sense to mm-hmm. me. Yep. So, and you know, me, someone, you know, watching you, very, very clear, very early on that you, you know you had that passion for music mm-hmm. and 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 certainly had a very strong passion for Christ and 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 faith and yep. and all that. I mean, always enjoyed uh, you leading the worship service. You know, Thanks. how how big a part of of you at that time uh, was that and how gratifying i guess maybe yeah. is the word yeah um uh an experience was that to to mm-hmm. to find that home as a as a worship leader yeah i mean that's one of those things like i said you spend your whole life playing music um and you find a a better purpose behind it you know and then you plug yourself into that and yeah there's a lot of um you know there's a lot of fulfillment coming out of you know serving in that capacity um yeah i mean it was it was just great, you know what I mean? But um, you know, like the hardest part about it is the fact, like I was saying, the economy had changed the way churches were doing mm-hmm. things. So it was just one of these things where it was like there always needed to be something else to supplement right. the income and everything. And so because that was just a part-time position. So then that's why, you know, yes, I was – I considered myself a worship pastor that was also a personal trainer. And then as time went on, that kind of flipped, you know. Right. Yeah. And And, and – and we'll get there, but I also wanted to ask you, you know, when you, you know, were going to school and working this, I mean, did you foresee yourself as, you know, moving up, I guess, the chain uh-huh. in terms of bigger churches, mm-hmm. getting to a full-time position somehow, some way? Yeah. You know, was that still yeah. your goal? or? I mean, it, it was for a while, uh, but like I said, when everything happened in 2008 and nine. It was just a kind of, it became like, a, okay, the kind of churches that are paying full-time salaries are not the kind of churches I want to be a part of. You know, wearing a suit was a deal breaker, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so the, I mean, that's, I'm joking, but you know, that's, there's just something that about me and as, you know, those who know me would know that like, yeah, that's, that doesn't fit you uh, to be one of those guys. So I was more about uh, serving in a place um, that was going to kind of allow me to have a little bit of musical freedom and a little bit of, um, you know, room to, uh, you know, allow to challenge the congregation a little bit, you know, and that was definitely the case, you know, for a couple of years. Yeah. And I, I, like I said, I always appreciated you leading the service and, you know, it's nothing against any worship leader or worship mm-hmm. pastor that I've ever had any yeah. church anywhere in the past. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I definitely really enjoy, and like you said, you know, you did challenge us. Mm-hmm. You know, you would constantly put stuff out there, you know, in, in your messages. And, and as we got ready 
you know, for, for the sermon that day, you know, and it was, it was always a great experience. I, you know, can't can't really say that enough. Um, but so, you know, when you start now that you said, you mentioned things flipped, Yeah. you know, where, where, I mean, you kind of mentioned it earlier of mm-hmm. having that backup plan of, you know, being a personal trainer, Yeah. but you know, you don't just wake up and decide, well, that's something I'd do. Yeah. You know, so how did you get into, how, how did fitness become a passion of yours? Yeah. So, that's, so when I was in Louisville going to school for ministry, um, so a little bit more background. So I grew up in Florida, heavily involved in the surf and skate culture. And so then when I moved to Louisville to go to seminary, one of the things that made it easier to deal with being so far from the beach uh, was this ginormous free skate park that Louisville has. Okay. And so it sounds kind of silly, but I never outgrew it. So then <laughs> so then I'm skateboarding and I hurt myself. I hurt my knee pretty badly. Um, I'm inactive for a long period of time. I gain a bunch of weight uh, from being inactive. And so I'm in my sort of early 20s at this point. But then, you know, when I realized like how much weight I'd gained, I was like, what in the world? This is, I didn't know this could happen to me. I got to get this junk off, you know? And so then, um, so I had to start studying the whole process. Like how does somebody lose weight effectively and stuff like that? So then um, over the course of a summer, I lost like 30 pounds. And that was kind of like my first transformation. You know, that's what everybody's mm-hmm. looking for these days is a transformation. So that was my first transformation. And what was cool was during that process, I had a friend whose wife was a physical therapist and he kind of, um, volunteered her to, you know, meet up with me and guide me through the rehab of my knee that I tore up. Cause I actually had to have surgery on it and everything. And, um, so she guided me through that and it was kind of, as she was teaching me these things, I was like, Oh, okay. There's a science behind all this. This isn't just, you know, um, to keep moving around until it gets better. You know, there's an right. actual process to maximizing or optimizing you know, the recovery process, making it faster, making it smoother and things like that. So that's kind of when I got interested in it. So while I was in ministry, it wasn't like an intentional, like, oh, I'm going to make a career out of this. It was just kind of like something like a hobby. Like mm-hmm. lots of people these days have, you know, going to the gym as their hobby. Right. You know, that's their thing. And that's essentially all it was, but I was studying it and learning a lot and experimenting on myself and you know, things like that. I mean, literally I was guinea, I guinea pig, everything, even to this day, I guinea pig, everything. So, um, so when my clients really hate the circuit that they're doing or really, you know, annoyed with you know, mm-hmm. something, I let them know, Hey, I've suffered through it too. So I want you to share in my suffering, you know? <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, so that's essentially how that became, you know, I was learning how to do all that stuff while I was in ministry. So that's why when the I was having a hard time trying to find a job out of school, it was kind of like, you know, I've gotten kind of good at this and people have asked me for help. And the cool thing is is that that being involved in someone's life in that manner allows you to um minister to them, you know. Right. And that's kind of how that I viewed that. So Well, and it's funny cuz you, you you mentioned the word transformation. Yeah. And you know, and and in terms of faith and in terms of fitness, mm-hmm. you know, those, those are the kind of things, like you said, that are, people are looking for. So, yeah. it, you know, I guess, and, in, in, you know, as a part of victory, strength and fitness, which we'll, we'll get to here yeah. in a little bit, uh, you know, how much did, did, have you always kind of had in mind that those things can, can work together? Yeah. Yeah. That was from the get go. You know, I knew it from the beginning, like, okay, if I'm, 
going to be a trainer in this capacity, then I know that like I'm going to be able to invest in people's lives, get to know them personally, uh, minister them to them by helping them improve their health, but have open door opportunities through their, you know, relationship basically to share my faith with them and, you know, get to know them. And, um, and there's some experiences where, um, it's just more of a matter of making sure that they have an experience with someone who claims to be a Christian that is contrary to their other experiences, basically. Cause we know a lot of people don't have the greatest experiences with people right. who carry that title, you know? Right. So, yeah. So, where did where did you feel like the flip started to happen was it a was it a um you had more you just started to get more clients and it and and personal training started to take up more time or was it uh just a i need to i need to do this yeah yeah so the basically when it started to flip was when um I had enough clientele. The business was growing. It was really getting to this point where it was like, oh, this isn't supplementing income anymore. This is doubling the church salary, you know? And at that point, it was kind of like, okay, well, I can maintain both. It's not that difficult to do both right now. So I was, you know. And and where were you, I guess, where were you operating? Yeah, that time I was just literally renting little a little corner of space out of the gathering place, which is a... Um, a, basically a facility that's owned by the community church of Greenwood and they have a ginormous, you know, place there full of, um, athletic equipment and soccer fields and big basketball courts, and all this other stuff. But I was paying some minimal amount of rent, just renting, you know, not any specific corner, but literally just only using a corner of space to train sure. one to two people at a time. And, uh, and it was just working out. And then, um, the church was gracious enough to let me use their uh, the our church or Grace Baptist Church has a little you know gym gymnasium and I would teach kettlebell classes out of there. Um, but yeah, all that just started growing and it was just kind of like I don't know, it was weird. It just just happened. It wasn't mm-hmm. like a I didn't have a big marketing plans at that point. I didn't have it was all purely word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was really really a cool thing. But the biggest goal was really to. You know, like I said, as a man, you want to provide for your family. So you see, like, provision coming through in such a way that you're just right. kind of like, well, I'm going to keep rolling with this because this is doing really well for me and my family. You know, everyone's benefiting from this. Um, so, yeah, it was, you know, that's kind of, it started to just gradually happen. It just kind of yeah. kept growing. But, but so. as, a, as a Christian and as uh, a worship leader, yeah, did you ever have any kind of, internal misgivings about leaving, you know, the worship team and, yeah. and, and leaving all that. Yeah. I mean, de- there's definitely a, you know, it was a tough thing cause you're just kind of like, man, I want to keep serving in this capacity, but the time I'm devoting to both things is just getting, is getting too much. I'm spreading myself too thin now. And you, when you're doing, when you're in a position like that, you're kind of like, I'm doing the Lord's work, you know, would it be wrong to stop doing the Lord's work? Like, right. You know, so it's kind right. of a weird thing. You feel like if you're trying to be led by that, how could you possibly leave that line of work and still expect to be blessed? That's mm-hmm. a weird conundrum to kind of like face. Cause you, you, I don't know. It's a weird thing, you know? Um, but then as the, 
business kept growing. And then what happened was, you know, there's certain requirements. You know, you, I had the title of pastor, and it wasn't fair to maintain that title anymore when I just was not having the time to do it. It mm-hmm. was the business was either. It's weird when you have a business like that because it's either grow or die. Yep. It's really it. If you're not growing, it just starts dying, you mm-hmm. know? And if you're not, but if you're making an effort to grow it, it just starts demanding a little bit more of you. And so then, um, so I felt for my family, it was kind of like the right thing to just, okay, focus on it growing. But because it was growing, I couldn't rightfully maintain that title. And the church was really gracious about even changing the the title and the requirements or the expectations to allow me to do both things. But I just knew, you know, when you're, when you're managing a business like that, you're working 24 seven mm-hmm. and then when you're working 24 seven and you're working on Sunday, that's just, it's just a lot. Right. You know? So that's when, in, you know, my wife was like, look, you're, you know, it's okay. It's not gonna, you know? Um, so then, you know, we finally got to that point where it was like, you felt like, uh, or I, we felt like the Lord was like, it's going to be okay. You know, yeah. <laughs> just because you're not doing the quote unquote, the Lord's work in church doesn't mean you're not doing the Lord's work, you know? And that's a think uh, something that people in general need to remember if they adhere to their, you know, their faith is in Christ and they feel like that's what they're going to cling to just because they're a florist, just because they're a FedEx driver, just because they're um, a graphic designer, whatever they're doing, it doesn't mean that they're not doing the Lord's work where they're at. And, and I've preached that for years, but this is time. It was right. time now to practice it and believe it myself. Was there, was there any moment of, and I mean, I know, I know our congregation and I, yeah. I'm guessing you probably feel similar ways about it as I do, but, mm-hmm. um, was there ever any time where you're like, okay, well, what are they going to think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of, of me doing this. Yeah. I mean. Because you still go there. Yeah. It's not like you disappeared <laughs> from the church nope. altogether. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, yeah, that was, you know, one of those things. I was definitely wondering how they would take it. And it was pretty cool. The response was interesting uh, because a lot of people were like, I remember one person saying something along the lines of like, where are you going? I was like, we're not going anywhere. We're staying here. And like, oh, thank goodness. Because like, I can understand why, because of all the the stress of trying to manage all these things, why you need to step down. But the, the, the idea of your whole family leaving would just be unbearable right now. And I was like, Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> so that was cool. That was, you know, nice to hear. Um, well, and, and it's not just you at, at the church, you yeah. know, you, you, my wife, wife and two kids. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, and mm-hmm. your parents were there. And my too, parents right? are there too. Yep. Exactly. So, I mean, yep. I, I just, Part of why I even wanted to have have you come on and do yeah. this was was I just wanted to hear from you, kind of that internal struggle, mm-hmm. you know, and how you you know a lot we talk a lot on this show about you know different people coming to different crossroads and yeah. when they decide to do different things and mm-hmm. and that's I mean your story really interested me on that level because you know as a Christian and as somebody who's you know you're trying to follow Christ and trying to follow that example and. and and trying to constantly build yourself in your faith. Yeah. And, you know, it, people can look at that and, and see the reverse of like, oh, personal trainer became, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, studying ministry and going into being a pastor. Mm-hmm. You don't always think of it the other way. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that, that alone in your story I found interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, what, 
what was that like? How, how, I guess, how long was that process to for you going through? Oh man. Thinking through all it that. It was probably a good year, you know, from the time I was like, man, do I really need to do, need to do both things? It was a good year. And, um, yeah, so the you know over the course of that year, it was just kind of the struggle and stuff like that, and it was just you know like I said, the goal was to provide for my family, and then when you see that um, hanging on the one thing isn't going to allow the other thing to grow, which is essentially what happened, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. st- hanging on to the ministry job um, because I loved music, because I love you know being with you know doing the working with the worship team and doing all those things. Um, You'd be surprised to hear that some ministers actually make an idol of their ministry, you know, right. <laughs> you know, and so it kind of, you know, I'm not sure if that's exactly what happened, but I knew that I was getting to the point where I was like, okay, it's not good for my family to do both things. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what happened. It came more and more evident, especially as my little girl was growing up and my son's paying a lot more attention to how things are going. It got more and more evident that like, okay, this is not the best thing for the family, for the family. The best thing to do is focus on one job. And then, you know, give us a legit day off in the week, mm-hmm. you know, to be a family and stuff like that. And so then that was essentially what the, 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 the determining factor there. When we realized that was definitely the case, it was like, okay. And so, like I said, the, um, you know, when that business, it's either you grow or die. It was just going to get a point, to the point where it was like, I got to pick one or the other. And one, this one is providing more for my family. Right. So, it was, you know, I had to let the other go, you know. And and so in doing so, uh, you establish your own facility. Yeah. So where where is that? How? That was nuts. <laughs> yeah. So how? Yeah. So where is it, and how did how did you arrive in that location? Yeah. So you know it was weird. <laughs> I kept getting forced into these other things that happened, and so uh, forced in a good way. Forced like. Yeah, you definitely feel, you look back on it, you're like, that was totally a God thing making that happen. So essentially, there comes a point in the gathering place where they some management, new management shows up and they make these rules basically saying, hey, look, um, if you're going to be a trainer in this facility, you have to be a member of this church. I'm on staff at a different church. There's no way I'm going to leave that church just to do my business there. Mm-hmm. At, that, at that point in time, there's a couple of other guys that were in the same boat, basically kind of... I don't know. I mean, I don't want to, I'm not trying to bash anything going on at the, at the gathering place, but they're essentially forced out of, you know, where they're at. So mm-hmm. we all team up and we're like, Hey, well, let's kind of start a place together. And so it more or less becomes like a sub lease type of thing, not like a partnership. So I go join this other facility. And right now that facility is known as Mus- muscle activation of Indy. Uh, but back then it was called saga fitness. So we were kind of like a team they have these awesome guys who do this incredible therapy stuff. So I was part of like the strength conditioning guy. So they would be like, okay, now that you, we fixed you, go get stronger with that guy. So they're trying to do some sure. in-house referral type stuff. But then that kept growing. And and I know this was, a, this was coming up in a, in a second here. You know, I learned this program called the Amazing 12. And because of the Amazing 12, that whole thing just kind of blew up. And it got to the point where I was like, I'm about to outgrow this new spot. And I had a lot more space in that new spot, but I was mm. about to outgrow it again. And then that's essentially what happened. At a certain point, it just got to critical mass, and it was like, I really have to go open my own place now. This is crazy. So, And, and where is it? Now? And so now, yeah, so then I opened up my own facility, and right there, you know, right off of 135, just north of Main Street, um, same facility, or same facility, same shopping center as Jack's Donuts, which is awesome. 
Um, and floor tech, auto tires are real popular places around here, I guess. Um, right smack between two major grocery stores. I'm kind of in this like devil's triangle because <laughs> it's like <laughs> Jack's Donuts, McDonald's, <laughs> Golden Corral. You know, all those are right by me. So um, it's pretty funny, you know, being right there. And in a place is called Victory Strength and Fitness. Yep, Victory Strength and Fitness, exactly. What, why did you uh, arrive at that title? Yeah, you know, the one of the things I try, and when I learned this in, you know, when I was in school for ministry, is trying to communicate as clearly as possible what you are and, you know, if you're preaching a message or whatever it is, trying to just be as clear as possible as to what your your message is. And Victory just has, the word Victory just has all these um connotations behind it and so of course there's a spiritual victory that i cling to the most you know Mm -hmm. um that's already won you know it's already you know like i said you put your faith in christ it's all right there uh so there's that but there's a lot of people who are just defeated constantly you know they're defeated in their health uh they don't know what to do because they keep following fad diets or they fall for the next i don't know some diet pill on tv you know they fall for all these things and they just continue to fail so victory was kind of these terms or a word that I felt like uh, would give people um, a little bit of like hope, you know, mm-hmm. and they hear, I don't know, just something about that word, you know. Um, but then strength and fitness was another thing. So I didn't, of course, I wasn't, I was not a CrossFit coach. Um, I didn't want to just be labeled as a personal trainer because what we do there is quite a bit more than just training um, because there's emotional and mental and of course, physical transformations that happen in it. Um, but the best way to phrase it was that, you know, without, um, scaring people away, <laughs> you know, it was just called victory, strength and fitness. And so that's why, you know, kind of covers everything there. And you, you mentioned it just a little bit ago, but what is the amazing 12? Yeah. So this is real funny. The amazing 12, um, is just this crazy <laughs> body transformation system that um, this guy in Ireland, his name's Paul McElroy, um, developed. And basically he had, how it started is really awesome. Essentially the story is that uh, he had a great, a really good buddy of his who was just involved in all kinds of junk and was nearly beaten to death and is in the hospital um, trying to recover from being just completely beaten at the same time that his own dad was in the hospital and dying from a, a terminal illness at that point, I think. And so then he recognizes his dad's dying, but he sees his friend in the hospital and he's like, you know, you know, God, I'm going to help me turn it around. And if I turn this guy's life around, whatever, you know, he's trying to figure out like, you know, just give me a chance to, you know, help this guy turn his life around. And, and so then, um, so then the guy agrees to like, okay, yes, Paul, I'm going to work, I'm going to submit to you and whatever. And just, you just help me turn my life around, you know? So then Paul McElroy teaches his buddy, all this stuff I'm walking around at this point in life is already a super genius exercise um, scientist, whatever you want to call it. Um, so he helps his buddy do this phenomenal transformation. And they end up winning like some men's health UK award. The guy wins like 10 grand or something like that. And so they were blown away. They're like, what in the world? So then another person says, hey, Paul, put me through that same program you put you know, your friend on. And Another person says, hey, hey, put me on that program too. And hey, put me on this program. So everyone just keeps asking to get on that program because they were blown away by this guy's transformation. Paul figures out how to replicate that thing over and over and over again, the science behind it and how to make it happen every time. And then he, he calls it the Amazing 12. And then it, be, it becomes a something that I could learn, you know, mm-hmm. 
So I found out an opportunity to learn from Paul McElroy how to do this program. And that's essentially what, what why Victory Strength and Fitness blew up because we learned this transform, transformative program that we're literally able to replicate these crazy results over and over and over again. So where a lot of trainers might have like 20 clients and out of 20 clients, you know, say they get one great transformation, you know, and the other people do pretty great as well. They might feel good and all these other things, but the amazing 12 does this crazy thing where it's like, you know, maybe 15 out of 20 have like mind blowing transformations and uh, physically, emotionally, spiritually, however you want to phrase it. It's a total package thing. And um, so that's what the amazing 12 was. That's how it started. You and know. so, so like, yeah. I guess what's the basis of it? So people can kind of picture, I mean, you know, is it, I don't know, you CrossFit, yeah, what kind so of training is it's, it? It's literally, so this is why, you know, we, I, you know, I took the name strength and fitness, victory, strength and fitness, because it's literally just strength training, you know, and of course there's some nutrition in it. Um, there's a little bit of other, you know, cardio and some bodybuilding aspects to it, but there's a ton of science behind it. And so, mm-hmm. um, got real nerdy with it, you know, <laughs> because there, there is a, yeah, there's a lot behind it. Uh, so it's not like, yeah, it's definitely not like anything else out there. It's really, it's hard to explain it because there really right. is nothing else like it. And, and how I can, you know, vouch for that is basically I'm the only amazing 12 coach in the whole state of Indiana. Yeah. And, and that, <laughs> that's what I was going to say is, yeah. is, you know, it's, it's real. I mean, it sounds like a unique program, but well, it is a unique program, yeah. especially in, in this state, you yeah. being the only one. Mm-hmm that uh it trains it so how you i guess where did you first come upon it then yeah so all right so there's this organization called strong first and so strong first is this international school of strength and everybody to this day probably knows what a kettlebell is so probably maybe 15 years ago maybe even more this crazy russian guy <laughs> named pavel satsulini comes over and to the states and he starts promoting this kettlebell training thing and at first, people are kind of like blown away by it because they're, they're using it to train Navy SEALs. They're using it to train, you know, Russian Special Forces and all these counter-terrorist organizations. You know, they're, you know, mm. they're guys and stuff like that. So it looked like it was just something that was only meant for like extreme military dudes. Uh, Secret, the Secret Service even has their own like kettlebell test, you know, for the, and they call it the United Secret Service Snatch Test or something like that. Bunch of S's. And so, <laughs> yeah. So then... um. So then anyways, what happens is Pavel makes the whole thing that's, you know, what seems to be made for elite, you know, soldiers, mm-hmm. uh, something that's, uh, you know, obtainable for the general public. So that's all what's, that's essentially where Strong First started, um, was from him. And so then I just like, as I was becoming a trainer, I was like, okay, look, I want to, I want to study under the best of the best. And I found an opportunity to train under him and it was just kind of just worked out. So I... Went out to Salt Lake City for a for a uh, three three day weekend thing, um, studying under him and some other guys and stuff, and then um, and learned that whole process. Well, it turns out that you know two years later, um, the Amazing Twelve becomes something that's uh, obtainable. But it was it just happened to be a lot of Amazing Twelve coaches were also Strong First coaches. Okay, so I was already part of the Strong First circle, so they were like, "Dude, you got to check this out. You know, this yeah. is you know this thing's crazy. You know." Uh, Paul McElroy is the, and, you know, the head dude and Paul McElroy is already well known in the strong first circles. So it was kind of like, well, shoot, you know, anything, mm-hmm. Paul, anything Paul does has got to be awesome. You know what I mean? So I guess I'll look into it and it was not cheap. It was an incredibly <laughs> expensive certification to obtain. But like I said, when, when you, 
you know, you when you're looking to do something like that and be a trainer and, you know, like I said, even when you're going into ministry, uh, even if, it doesn't matter what career field you're going into, if you find out that you can actually afford and have the opportunity to train under the best in the world, then why wouldn't you do it? Yeah. You know? Well, and so you get that certification, as you mentioned, things blow up. Yeah. So at what, when did you actually get into uh, your current facility? How long ago was that? Um, let's see. We're in June right now. So it's been about three years and three months. Okay. Around then, yeah. So, you know, things are going well. Mm-hmm. Everything's going great. Then we get to March this year. Yeah. <laughs> what happened for you? How did you maneuver, you know, with all the COVID and and all of that going on? Yeah. So last year was kind of weird. Um, for whatever reason, you know, I get involved with this awesome marketing firm, and this marketing firm really just blows up my business from me. You know, for those that don't know, like, uh, most gyms don't last through their first year. It's something crazy. Like 85, 90% of them end up going out of business in the first year. Another big chunk, you know, go out of business the second year. Mm-hmm. Many don't last past three years. Um, but these guys really just taught me how to market this thing correctly, the Amazing 12 program. And I ended up creating a different program um, called the Victory Transformation Program. And, you know, they, they taught me how to, you know, put that together. So when I created these other pro- this other program out of it, everything just kind of blew up and became more sustainable. And so then everything was going really well until last year. For whatever reason, the second half of last year, everything started slowing down a lot. And um, so it was just kind of like when the, the new year started, everything blew up again, you know, marketing-wise. And word of mouth was out, was huge. And there was all these things that had happened. We were in some local magazine that, you know, got us a whole bunch of attention, and that was huge. Um, but when everything blew up for January and February and even early March, there was such a, a tremendous growth for us. I mean, it was the biggest quarter ever by, you know, it almost beat like two quarters combined. But what wow. had happened was um, I wasn't celebrating yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, okay, I know what happened last year. I better keep all this aside, you know, mm-hmm. and not go crazy and buy a rollie or something like that. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't buy a roll anyways, but anyways, but you know, that's what people do when they think they have great quarters. So then, um, so I kept it there, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to save this, you know, for a rainy day. And that rainy day was really rainy. So yeah, of course the whole COVID thing shows up and you know, we're shut down for the, uh, unforeseeable future. But like I said, because of the wild, the, what happened the previous year, um, once again, it's weird when you look at these situations because you think during that time of last year, 2019, I was like, why is this happening? This is terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, this is ridiculous. Should I even be doing this anymore type of thing? But I was learning a lesson there. And had I not learned that lesson, then I wouldn't have put that cushion aside. Mm-hmm. And with that cushion aside, we completely survived the whole COVID thing. Yeah. No sweat, really, you know. Um, yeah, it was scary, but, you know, for a first maybe month, you know, not knowing what was going to happen. But as we saw things start to turn around, it was like, okay, we're going to come through this without any problems. And so did you have, I mean, during that time, uh, I'm guessing you had to have some kind of contact with your clients. Yeah. I mean, things going somehow. How, how did that? Well, you know, you know, I have a business coach and this guy, um, his name's AJ. So AJ says, Hey, look, you need to develop an online system. 
So I'm like, all right. So I start developing this online system in a hurry. <laughs> uh, and so then thankfully, you know, probably about 25% of our clientele was like, okay, yes, yeah, so let's go online. I definitely want to keep going in some capacity. And, and um, so that really helped things out because that allowed kind of those billings to keep going and through that mm-hmm. stuff like that. That helped me keep myself sane during the whole COVID thing yeah. as well because I actually had to maintain, I had to work. Yeah. I was still working technically, you know, even though it was all online. Um, but um, yeah, like I said, between that happening, uh, you know, it taught me a whole other skill of how to train online through the whole process. That was really cool. Um, and then, you know, even with people that weren't training with us online, I still maintained contact with them. You know what I mean? Cause I wanted them to know, like, look, this is not going to shut down. No one's running mm-hmm. away with your money, things like that. And I didn't realize how important that was to maintain that contact because four, and I want to say five gyms within the area, probably within a five mile radius, um, of where victory is like all shut down. And I didn't, I didn't know that until after things were up and running and people were coming, you know, with questionnaires about asking them, getting information for victory. And it always started with, well, my gym shut down. So I'm looking for a new place. And I was, oh, wow. Okay. Well, and that's got to be part of, you, you know, you maintaining that contact. I mean, to me, that just seems like a natural of, of who you are and what you've been is and, and, and talked about here today is, yeah. is it's an investment in the total person, not mm-hmm. just their strength and fitness, but yep. in their, you know, emotional and, and mm-hmm. spiritual transformations, yep. you know? So, I mean, how much do you feel like just having that and having that ministry background and that, that kind of natural heart for outreach mm-hmm. to, to people, you know, helped you to yeah. be able to sustain? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, having that, that background and that, um, training, you know, to do that was huge. Um, there are plenty of people who, who come to train with us simply because they're dealing with mental you know, depression and things like that. And so they know, man, if I just start working out, I'm going to feel better physically and I'm going to feel better emotionally. And it was pretty apparent for some of the people who were agreed to train online through the COVID thing that they were like, that was something that was helping them deal with the COVID thing. Also, the fact that they had a routine they had somebody they had to check in with regularly, um, and then that was part of them coming out of it a little more sane instead of losing their mind during the whole the whole COVID thing. So it was good to be a part of that. And like I said, part of this also is is giving people who aren't Christians um, an experience with someone who is a believer uh, that makes them that you know contrary to what their other other experiences might be. Because there's people from all kinds of walks of life. Mm-hmm. Um, def- some that just don't claim anything, some that are, um, you know, Muslim, some that are Hindus, um, I mean, a whole bunch of, you know, different walks of life, you know what I mean? And, and so then being able to maintain relationships with those people. And like I said, like, yeah. And I, and I guess expl- explain for someone who, who may be listening to this, who is a non-believer that yeah. is like, Mel, maybe this would be a good place to go to, but boy, I don't know if I want to walk through the door and, and get preached to also. Yeah. Yeah. You not- know, I mean, it. It's not just walk in and here's your Bible and now sign up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's there if somebody wants it, if someone needs that kind of um, guidance or if somebody wants some questions answered, it's available to them, but it's not, it's not like you're not getting preached to when you walk in the door. <laughs> That's definitely not the case. <laughs> yeah. No, we're very much focused on, you know, helping you accomplish your goals, getting to know you. And if it gets to those conversations, then it gets to those conversations, but it doesn't get to that point with everybody, you know, just mm-hmm. because, you know, um, you know, we're just trying to make sure that, um, 
we're not invading on someone's um, personal beliefs in some way that just seems untactful or whatever, you know what I mean? Things like right. that. So there's, we're trying to maintain a degree of tact, but nobody, I don't think anybody um, doubts where we stand, you know, or where I stand. I won't say we because I don't want to speak for the entire staff. Um, but yeah, they want, there's no doubt of where I stand and, you know, make sure that we care about them, make sure that, uh, they know that we are absolutely hundred percent invested in them and their health. Uh, and the more importantly, how them improving their health affects their family and affects mm-hmm. their own spiritual walk, you know, and things like that. And so, um, yeah. And so you mentioned earlier that, you know, we were, you were able to survive the whole COVID-19 mm-hmm. thing. Uh, so as we sit here now, we're we're recording this in in mid June, mm-hmm. and Indiana's in stage four, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that means <laughs> exactly. But but so but you're back open, back running. Yep. And and you feel like things have opened up full force. You feel like you're going well. You feel like how are how are things going? Yeah. So you know the Victory Strength Fitness is does not have a business model. That's dependent upon smashing, you know, 50 people in a room, you know, and that's one of the cooler things. That's one of the reasons why we're able to show greater care to each person because um, we actually cap our classes at six, six people per class, you know. So um, our business model allows us to have a much smaller group and, and do really well. Um, as opposed to, like I said, if you have 50 people in a room, nobody wants that now anyways with the whole COVID, right. COVID thing and all that stuff. Everybody wants their space and doesn't want anybody breathing on them. I don't blame them. I don't want anybody breathing on me either. <laughs> you know? and so, <laughs> right. so it's you know that's kind of another benefit to it because people are finding that out that we're, oh, there's only six people per class. So they're like, I want to check this place out because I don't feel safe going to those other places where there's so many people, mm-hmm. things like that. And plus we're like, an, we're, we're an education, you know, we're, you know, if someone were to come and you know ask what's going on and we have our little consultation thing in the beginning uh we always make it 100 percent clear that this is going to be a complete education you know there's no drill sergeants no screaming and yelling you know you're learning this stuff and the goal is to help you become more confident if you were to go somewhere else you know you look at a when any of equipment and instead of it looking like chinese and don't know how to read it you know what i mean like you look at it and you like you know what the purpose for that is and you know you're comfortable doing it. So when a lot of people just kind of normally walk into a facility and they just look at everything and they're just like I have no idea what to do. I'm just mm-hmm. going to get on the treadmill, you know. And so then they lose out on actually making any progress. But if they get an education from us, we eliminate that problem. And and how how big is your staff, I guess, in terms of you know what what you have there you know how many people do you do you lean on yeah so there's myself and there's three other coaches and then we have another um person who works behind the scenes kind of booking appointments and kind of getting first timers in the door and um so yeah so i guess there's five is that that how math works yeah (laughs) five of us yeah and so um but yeah, so I, of course I do a majority of, you know, a, a chunk of the coaching. I won't say majority because I think between the other coaches, they all get something, you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Probably sp- and I guess, you know, we talked about, you know, having to go go from ministry to to this now. You know, how rewarding now is where you find yourself. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool because, you know, like there are plenty of people who they I, – from what they're expressing, they love the results – but they love how it's affecting their families. They love how, you know, they're having more energy. 
um, has allowed them to play with their kids without getting winded. Um, having more strength allows them to work in the yard without messing themselves up, you know, getting, you know, mm-hmm. throwing their backs out or whatever, you know. Um, you know, for guys who used to be athletes and, you know, have completely fallen by the wayside or whatever, they regain their athleticism and things like that. And, with, you know, uh, for guys that are listening and things like that, that uh, it's one of those things where you know that if you gain some of that athleticism and some of that confidence back, that improves things with the marriage as well, you know. And so, you know, there's a lot of benefits that happen behind it besides just, you know, looking good for some pictures in 12 weeks. Um, and that's what we try to communicate to people. You know, this isn't just about, you know, trying to get a nice set of pictures, you know, done. Mm-hmm. It's about gaining sustainable lifestyle adjustments, whether it's your for strength and for your nutrition um, but learning all that stuff is going to have an impact on your whole family, you know? And, you know, you know, wrapping up here, but I want to give you one more opportunity to mm-hmm. kind of plug the business. Yeah. So, so you know, victory strength and fitness, you know, what's the address? What's the phone number? How do they, yeah. how do they find you? Yeah. Victory strength fitness, um, three, one, one, five, uh, Meridian park drive, um, just North of main street off of one thirty five in Greenwood. Um, the number is 317-721-2821. Uh, you could call us, leave a voicemail, text, uh, either myself or one of the other people is going to get back to you, you know, but, uh, mm-hmm. but definitely, like I said, if it's somebody needs an education, uh, is tired of failed programs and fad diets and pills and things like that, like this is, you learn how to use real food. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You learn how to use regular equipment. Um, so you don't need to, you know, um, buy some wacky $2,000 machine, you know, for your house or whatever. Um, but yeah, like I said, the results speak for themselves. You just go to the website, victory strength and fitness.net. Um, there is a victory strength and fitness.com, but.net is going to reveal a lot more of the story and the results. Um, but then, um, through that process, like I said, you, your whole family benefits, you know, and when you start it, when you see what you accomplish physically and how you improve emotionally and, uh, through all this mentally and all that stuff, a lot of people start excelling in other areas of life, which is wild to see. But, you know, so that's why, you know, it's all about a transformation experience. And, you know, and a, a big part of the show, you know, we try and offer, you know, encouragement to, to anybody who might be, you know, going through a tough patch. You know, what kind of, I guess, message or encouragement would you uh, give anybody who, who might be listening, you know, and, and looking for something like that. Yeah, I mean, don't give up. You know, the you never really fail. People say, oh, well, I failed at accomplishing this. And you never really fail unless you just completely stop. And if you completely stop and, you know, just accept the the dead end, then, then that's failure. But if you keep moving, even if the scale's not moving, even if, if your weights aren't moving, but you keep moving... Um, you're making progress and you haven't failed yet, you know, so it's just a matter of finding the right coach, you know, the, to help you break through these things. And so everybody has a coach. Michael Jordan had a coach. I know everyone in Indy loves Tom Brady. So, (laughs) so Tom Brady has a coach, um, who's a baseball guy. Um, Mike Trout. Yeah. Yeah. He has a coach. All these guys have coaches, you know, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, all those guys have coaches, no matter how good they are, what they do, they still had coaches. So, and if you think you're above the level or caliber of those athletes, um, then good luck, you know, but, um, but those guys still had coaches. So if those guys still have coaches, then everyone else definitely still needs a coach. 
and I have my own coaches that I turn to for things and stuff. And so, um, yeah, I mean, you just can't deny it. Everybody needs a coach. And so um, if you're in that position, then definitely hit us up. All right. Well, Bruce, thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I think you're a fantastic story. Always appreciated your friendship and and just so glad you're able to, to join us and, and talk about yeah. your, your journey. It was fun. Thanks. So, uh, thank you to BJ Robbins for setting us up on the audio side. And thank you all for listening. And we'll catch you the next time.